Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to issue 4063 of The Bugle, audio newspaper for a world which seems bizarrely comfortable with its own narcissistic, self-destructivising visuality. <laughs> Keep it audio world, it will upset you less. I am Andy Zaltzman, the zero-time kosher-keeping champion of the UK. Uh, no disgrace, beaten by the better players on the day, hands up. <laughs> and I'm joined today by two of Britain's foremost emissaries to the planet Earth, two people who have been travelling the world exclusively for the bugle. Uh, in recent weeks, putting in the groundwork for Empire Part 2, the sequel. Uh, first up, back here in London, uh, briefly in between trips to basically everywhere, it's uh, Nish Kumar. Hello, Andy. Hello, Buglers. How are you? I'm uh, I'm well, thanks, Nish. So, uh, since you were last on this show, <laughs> you've uh, you've been to... Uh, you've basically been exploring the world, like some kind of 21st century Columbus. Yeah, I've been going around the world. And uh, awkwardly observing people doing this, what things that they do. I've basically been a member of the royal family <laughs> for the last the last three weeks, just walking around places, looking at people, participating in their traditions, doing a really bad job of it, and having people be nice to me out of sheer politeness. Right. So, I mean, where uh, you've been to? Uh, I was in Japan. New Zealand, right. first of all. Yeah. And Good place uh, to start. yeah, ease and, yourself in. Yeah, and I went to uh, an event called the Golden Shears. Three words for you, Andy. <laughs> Competitive sheep shearing. <laughs> Beat that for obscure sports. Do you know how weird it is to be standing in a shed uh, in the middle of rural New Zealand watching uh, three people race each other to see who can shear a sheep quickest and standing there thinking to yourself, I can't wait to tell Zoltzman about this. <laughs> I'm about to one-up Zoltzman for obscure sports. Um, so wasn't, that, that, wasn't that the origin of the Trojan War, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Three goddesses at a sheep shearing race. And... Well, there's a couple of key innovations I think we should bring right. back to more sport. Yeah. One of them is have the commentators pretty much on the pitch. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're right there and they're saying things like, oh, he's doing a great job shearing that sheep. Oh, no, he's really slowed down. And I just think that would improve more sports if the competitors could hear what commentators were saying. Well, he's really smashing his face in right now. <laughs> this boxing match is a complete waste of everyone's time because one of these guys is going to get absolutely killed. Um, I went from there to Tahiti where I uh, engaged in some Polynesian dancing. Right. Which I think we've already discussed. I did very badly at. <laughs> uh, I really felt very close to William and Harry in that moment. Right. That's all yeah. I'll say about my participation in that. And then I went to Japan, amazing country. Andy, Japanese culture has improved my life so many in so many different ways, whether it's the compact disc player, uh, the cinema of Akira Kurosawa, or sushi and ramen. But it turns <laughs> out the way it really changed my life was when I took a dump in a Japanese toilet. <laughs> The rumours are all true. <laughs> Whatever you've heard, it's more so. Right. The seats were heated. A spray went up my ass to help deal with what I believe scientists refer to as the aftermath. <laughs> oh, it was unbelievable. Right. What a dump. I saw God in a Japanese <laughs> toilet, Andy, and he cleaned my ass for me. That was a Rihanna song, wasn't it? <laughs> um Sounds like you've been having uh, an absolute whale of a time, by which I mean you've been being chased by a m- boat with a large harpoon. Um, so it's get- not all bad, Andy, OK? <laughs> yes, there is whaling. But on the other hand, my cheeks were heated. <laughs> and well, that sounds like another piece of commentary for another obscure sporting event. <laughs> uh, or even possibly England's latest efforts on the Test Match cricket field. 
and join it. More of that later on. Joining us live by Yogurt Pot and String via another Yogurt Pot in orbit above the planet Earth. It get a clearer signal that way. All the way from the city which uh, passes as a rather harsh two-word description of Bob Dylan, singer, poor. It's, uh, it's, it's Helen Zaltzman. Hello, Andy. Hello, Nish. Hello, Buglers. Hello, Helen. I'm uh, still just reeling from the shock that Andy has heard of Rihanna. <laughs> well, I've, I, I, I've got some... Uh, Congratulations. I've got some millen- millennial writers now working in my, my shed. I was going to go with something to do with Schubert, but uh, anyway. <laughs> Helen, you've also been uh, been globe trotting, also also in Japan. I mean, how? I mean, were you quite as impressed with the lavatorial <laughs> actions as, as Nish appears to be? Yeah, they have toilets there. They perform all those functions indoors, Andy. It's incredible. You should get on it. Right. So good. Sounds also. How, how have your uh, how have your travels been, Helen? What have been the the highlights? Oh well, um, Andy, I went to a water park today. So that was pretty cool. Uh, bobbed around in a rubber ring for a while. Wow. Um, I mean, that's that, that surely makes travelling the world for months on end as you've been doing worth it just to get to the, the world's only water park in, <laughs> in, in Singapore. <laughs> I've, I've just been traversing um, the world in a rubber ring. This is why it's taking so long. So, I mean, essentially, as we look forward to our glorious post-Brexit future, we are going to need to, uh, you know, find countries to reintegrate into the British fold, shall yeah. we say. I mean, which of the, the countries that you two have been to do you think we should be looking to conquer first? Do you think we should have a crack at Japan, see if we can, uh, you know, maybe get Japan in, in, in Team GB? I don't want to talk our country down, Andy, which is what I'm accused of doing on a semi-daily basis. <laughs> but uh, all I'm saying is, if the Japanese toilets are that high-tech, I don't want to see what their guns can do. <laughs> I, I don't think Japan... It's going to be... I don't think we're going to be able to conquer them. Right. I, I just feel like if they've got the minds that have worked on toilets that can clean your ass, if they've put that to the sort of military-industrial complex, <laughs> they may have bullets that can kill our ancestors. That's all I'm saying. Uh, this is Bugle issue 4063-4063. Coincidentally, the pin number for the big red button on the desk of the Oval <laughs> Office. What a coincidence. Uh, I think that means if the president plays this part of this podcast on speaker in the Oval Office, he will launch a nuclear strike. <laughs> so I better make sure this goes somewhere safe. This week, we will be talking about a remote, unpopulated area of the South Pacific. <laughs> Hopefully we're in the clear. Better safe than sorry. We are recording on Friday, the 23rd of March, 2018. On this day, in the year 1775, the birth of the game show. When uh, Patrick Henry one of the founding fathers of the USA, delivered his famous speech, Give me liberty or give me death. (laughs) And the uh, first series of uh, liberty or death lasted eight years until uh, 1783. Plenty of winners and losers in a series of increasingly tricky challenges, including full-scale battles, avoiding disease in elongated periods of encampment and a gunsh tank. Um, (laughs) And uh, I've got a transcript from one of the early episodes, and this week on Give Me Liberty or Give Me Death, our contestants are Debbie from Long Island, Bronson from Connecticut, and Pam from Delaware. And only one of them is going home happy tonight, so let's play round one, Freedom or Fatality. Um, And this is the Bugle for the week beginning Monday the 26th of March uh, 2018. On this day, 
1484, William Caxton, old Percy printing press himself, published his <laughs> translation of Aesop's Fables, the first English translation of the works of Aesop, uh, bringing into the English language such classics as The Fox and the Crow, in which the fox famously uh, cleverly stole a bit of cheese from the crow, uh, also The Fox and the Discovery of Lactose Intolerance, uh, The Boy Who Cried Wolf, The Boy Who Cried Global Warming, very much ahead of his time, it's all a conspiracy, The Tortoise and the Hangover, The Cook, The Thief, His Wife and Her Lover, The Boy Who Farted at His Auntie's Funeral, and The Dog Who Stole the Chocolates and Left the Wrappers on the Lawn. On this day <laughs> in 1934, <laughs> um, that may or may not be a reference to Hel- Helen and my long-departed dog, Tash. Can't believe she's gone. Uh, in, <laughs> it wasn't because uh, of the chocolates. She survived, she survived that uh, self-harming bout. And they say dogs are allergic to chocolate. She proved them all wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as always, a section of the Bugle is going straight in the bin. Uh, this week, our computer game reviews section... In the bin uh, are uh, reviews of uh, new releases, such as Egg Chef 4, uh, now includes coddling as an option, Tale of the Turkey's Abattoir Mayhem 2, uh, the latest hit release in the EA Agriculture range after the blood-soaked brutality of uh, Turkey the Tailor's Abattoir Mayhem. Uh, Can you direct in the sequel, Taylor, in the more complicated administrative task of running a large business that processes up to 500,000 carcasses per year whilst also maintaining health and safety and animal welfare standards? and making a profit in an increasingly financially squeezed industry, compromised by the continuing demand for cheap meat products. Uh, it's not as visually or indeed viscerally spectacular as the original, but uh, it's more of an intellectual challenge, and Tale of the Turkey is still so very cute. Uh, plus, also in the bin, a degree. Uh, with the news that the Open University here in Britain may have to cut its budget by 25%, raising concerns about its future viability as an educational establishment, we proudly launch Bugle University. <laughs> Listen to the Bugle <laughs> weekly over the next 15 years, and by default, you will intellectually osmose a degree in one or more of the following subjects. Nautical engineering, medieval folk poetry, <laughs> applied emetochronology, em- or love. <laughs> <laughs> That's a... What an unfortunate moment for us to make direct eye contact, Andy. <laughs> unfortunate niche. <laughs> or destiny. Um... Those sections in the bin. Top story this week, The Social Network 2. This time it's the end of Western democracy. (laughs) Uh, Andy, uh, it has been a a tricky week for Facebook. And by extension, all of us. (laughs) Uh, The story centres around Cambridge Analytica, which, let's face it, is already a great start because Cambridge Analytica already sounds like the name of a corporation in a dystopian sci-fi thriller. Right, Uh, I I, I thought it was some kind of skin condition resulting from you spending too much time in libraries. (laughs) I I just want to cut in and ask Andy a question. Andy, as you've never used Facebook, what do you think it is? I put a post up on there just a year ago. Yourself? Uh, Well, Chris did it. (laughs) I did put a post up a few weeks ago about a gig. What, 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 what do you think Facebook is, Andy? Facebook? Uh, well, I think it's uh, a direct um, prism into the aching soul of humanity. It oh. just reveals the, uh, the vanity, insecurity and loneliness within. Is that right, or am I oversimplifying things? That's oh, pretty close. 
Okay, yeah, that's an- annoyingly, Helen, he's got us absolutely bagged right <laughs> as yeah. the two Facebook users on this podcast. <laughs> Although for a second there, he really did lapse off into sounding like a 21st century Morrissey. <laughs> um, so look, there's been a scandal involving Big Data, who is surely the least fondly remembered of all WWE wrestlers. Uh, it all started when Christopher Wiley, who describes himself as a gay Canadian vegan who somehow ended up creating Steve Bannon's psychological warfare mind f- tool. <laughs> what a Tinder bio. <laughs> Holy cow. If that doesn't clean up on Grinder, I don't know what will. Uh, he leaked documents uh, to The Guardian and The Observer newspaper to show how the company, Cambridge Analytica, obtained millions of people's Facebook profiles and used them to help possibly subvert US democracy. Then, like the Transformers film franchise, things went from bad to worse. On Monday, Channel 4 News broadcast an investigation into Cambridge Analytica using hidden cameras and having posed uh, as various sort of uh, fake dignitaries. The journalists recorded Cambridge Analytica boasting of dirty tricks campaigns involving fake news and even honey traps to influence elections. This heavily implied that they were activities that they'd engaged in previously, despite strenuous denials from the company following the broadcast. Oh boy! (laughs) Things are messy as shit. Some of the recordings that Channel 4 obtained are genuinely extraordinary. This is Chief Executive Alexander Nix, who said what they would do is, send some girls around to the candidate's house. We have lots of history of things, he told the reporter. He then said, we could bring some Ukrainians in on holiday with us. You know what I'm saying. And that is a classic phrase. <laughs> Bringing some Ukrainians on holiday is an absolutely... We all know what that phrase means. We know what it means. It means using sex workers to trick candidates and subsequently into subverting democracy. <laughs> classic phrase. <laughs> so essentially what's happening uh, here is there's some uh, enormous uncontrollable entity whose power and complexity goes way beyond anything the human brain can properly comprehend doing dodgy things we're not entirely comfortable with. It's like the entire history of physics all over again. Um, I'm not happy at all with it. Um, uh, Facebook, um, uh, which hosts such upstanding Facebook pages as the Bugle Facebook page. Um, (laughs) And and the Facebook pages of Nish Kumar and Helen Zaltzman. (laughs) Um, And uh, the Andy Zaltzman Facebook page, which I think was set up by someone pretending to be Andy Zaltzman. (laughs) Yeah, I basically bullied them until they uh, admitted themselves. All right. Um, but he's John, a better John brother than you. <laughs> John had some downtime between last week tonight series, didn't he? Uh, it uh, lost thirty-seven billion in uh, stock market value, apparently, as a result yeah. of this scandal. Which the Facebook is like you or me swallowing a pound coin. <laughs> Admit that we're technically a little bit poorer, but it is really quite embarrassing. And although in time we will get our money back, that money will now be dirty money. <laughs> Our reputation will be forever tainted. I feel sorry for whoever it is actually has to wade through the data and decide what to do with it, given how much of Facebook is just basic bitch statuses like, wine o'clock, <laughs> pizza, don't mind if I do. <laughs> you say that, Helen, but uh, based on what we know, somebody would be able to work out how you would vote in an American election if you posted the status wine o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and at what time you post it. Yeah. <laughs> 7.30am. And I mean, it very much also depends on the calibre of bottle of wine that you're, you're proudly showing off in your your photo. Yeah, if you're drinking Tesco's own brand at 6am, there's a good chance that you'll be casting your vote for Ron Paul. <laughs> um, uh, Facebook essentially is... Uh, well, it's an omniscient, omnipresent force peering into every every nook and cranny 
of our souls. Now, as a as a Christian nation, should should we not be appreciative of this? That this is essentially stepping into the aching void that God <laughs> appears to have left. In some ways, I think it's actually a step up because Facebook actually pays very slightly more tax than God himself, <laughs> and is also very slightly more likely than God to blow the whistle on institutional abuse scandals that take place under its watch. Very, very. Very slightly, so maybe it's... only under severe duress, because <laughs> that's part of the problem. Is that Facebook apparently had been notified that Cambridge Analytica had illegitimately obtained a load of people's information, and uh, they continually denied it. And it turns out, and this is horrible news for us all, guys, tech billionaires may not have our best interests at heart. <laughs> oh, don't say that. We say were... it ain't so. It Joe. turns out that we were wrong to put our faith in a man who was played in a film by the same actor who ended up playing Lex Luthor. <laughs> That probably should have been the first sign <laughs> that there was trouble when the casting call for Mark Zuckerberg included the most famous supervillain of all time. <laughs> Helen, are you are you concerned about what this means for the entire future of uh, of democracy and freedom? Oh, Andy, uh, I've given up. The bots have won. It's their world now. I'll just retreat to being a brain <laughs> in a jar. It's fine. I'm not fussy. <laughs> Maybe they'll. Un- I, I probably wouldn't mind if that I was on the same political side as them. Oh, that is an interesting point. I mean, it does sound like you slightly you're trying to suck up to our bot overlords already, Helen. <laughs> yeah, if I'd thought to do that a couple of years ago, maybe we wouldn't be brexiting. I backed the <laughs> wrong bots. I thought the bot overlords are the people who control your Japanese toilets. <laughs> um, <laughs> the one thing I think we can all agree on is this is a tremendous win for MySpace. <laughs> What a coup. Uh, MySpace yeah. and Bebo are absolutely... Clean. I mean, the worst thing MySpace is responsible for is the career of Calvin Harris. <laughs> now, am I a fan of his particular brand of EDM-inflected shit-pop? No. Do I prefer him to the subversion of Western democracy? It's close, but Calvin's won. What's a n- niche, niche? I mean, you can't throw a term like EDM... In, <laughs> what do you call EDM-infused or...? He's... Andy's... Oh, yeah, right, you're to go. I'm glad. I'm glad of that. Andy's already been operating right at the edge of his knowledge of the 21st century this episode. Yeah, that's true. He has mentioned Rihanna, who did in fact collaborate with Calvin Harris on her hit single, Love in a Hopeless Place. Yeah, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to know that. <laughs> I mean, the fact is we all leave trails of data um, and it's all about how, you know, how they are used. I mean, we here at The Bugle know all about you, listeners, from the mere fact that you are listening to this. We, we can infer that you are A unbelievably cool uh seriously the kind of person other people look up to and think yeah i just wish i could be like that you are b aged between three and 120 with a (laughs) bit of margin for error at both ends you are c not currently working in an active terror cell there is a 98 percent chance of that being true you are d in a definable social group of some kind and you are e more likely to spend your money on food and drink than on luxury motorcycles um i mean there are no secrets anymore I mean, that's, that's how easy it is to mine into people's... You're the Cambridge themselves. Analytica of podcasters, Andy. Yeah. Um, Cambridge Analytica have claimed that there's been no wrongdoing, which uh, unfortunately seems to directly contradict things they were recorded saying and doing. <laughs> um, Cambridge Analytica's uh, head of his, their political... That's division. just semantics. <laughs> <laughs> it's details. Details, details. Mark Turnbull, uh, as the head of Cambridge Analytica's political division, claimed that one of the services he could offer would be to pose as a wealthy developer looking to exchange campaign finance for land. And he then described himself as being, quote, a master of disguise. (laughs) 
And nothing says I am engaged in wrongdoing more than describing yourself as a master of disguise. You're never going to hear someone be like, I'm an excellent employee in the charity sector because I am a master of disguise. <laughs> uh, it then, uh, Cambridge Analytica then accused Channel 4 of setting out to entrap staff by initiating a conversation about unethical practices before going on to describe how they had obtained that data from the POTS Facebook page and had been able to conclusively determine that it was, in fact, black. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, are we also? I mean, does it does it work? This voter manipulation? Are we really so easily manipulatable as a species that we can be persuaded by obvious behavioural prompts, trying to make us vote one way or the other, or buy clothes we don't need, or even to buy tickets to my forthcoming shows, um, <laughs> including on sale from Monday, three bugle live shows in San Francisco, Portland, and Seattle in May, the week after the Radiotopia Live East Coast tour. Not forgetting, of course, my dates in the Southern Hemisphere in April and early May. Are we really that easily <laughs> persuadable by little nudges? I do hope not. Uh, I do hope so. Uh, I, I hope not. Is this a terrible time for it to be revealed that Andy has hired Cambridge Analytica to, to promote his upcoming live dates? <laughs> the problem is, is that these companies know when to manipulate people in the electoral cycle because they know when elections are going to be because these are made public. Yes. So what we need is snap elections called at five minutes' notice. As uh, Bugle listeners may remember, from uh, soon after the Bugle relaunch, the uh, Indian government basically took most of the money in India out of circulation at about five seconds' notice. Yeah, Why can we not yeah. call elections and just make people vote, in, or just turn up to people's houses and say, right, you're voting in the next ten seconds, and yeah. you've got a far more realistic reflection of what people actually believe it's like people loved it when beyonce surprise dropped a whole album why not an election <laughs> i mean it would save us a couple of weeks of really bad television yeah but well i mean that is that is a huge it benefit is a, i mean imagine it's a big benefit and also well, the not money just a couple save of an weeks. american campaign people are banging on yeah. about the american 2020 elections now that's like three years away that's a lot of bad television niche what are you going to do about it? Yeah, I mean, we basically have a month of low-level gurning as an election campaign, whereas <laughs> America has an unending quadrennial cycle of screaming in each other's faces <laughs> until a lone tear dr drops down the cheek of Abraham Lincoln on Mount Rushmore. I went to an aquarium today, and there was a kind of yellow fish that fights by smashing its open mouth into the open mouth of another fish. So basically deep kissing as a form of uh, adversarial combat. Our debates could this, be more this, like that. Yeah. <laughs> then I mean, Theresa May watch. versus Jeremy Corbyn under those rules would be unmissable television. <laughs> Either or jousting. If they want to get Britain back. What, do you reckon just get them both on horseback? Yeah, with, with jousts. <laughs> Taking back our country. <laughs> Um, I think we should probably move on now to an election that needed no external influence um, in deciding the result. The Russian election. And, uh, <laughs> well, Vladimir Putin, uh, fourth win in a row in a presidential election for uh, Big Vlad. Uh, that's the fourth of his seven victories uh, that have been already slated in. And there's been a lot of debate. Do you congratulate Vladimir Putin on winning a Russian election? Donald Trump... Uh, <laughs> That was, that was uh, Martin sneezing. Oh my god! I thought I thought you were just. I thought that was just an involuntary reaction you now had when you heard Donald Trump's name, Ellen. Yeah, that's a bit of my soul dying. 
<laughs> um, uh, Donald Trump, uh, despite apparently explicit instructions not to congratulate Vladimir Putin, rang him up and congratulated yeah. him. Well, of course, if um, you say don't do something, he's going to do it. How naive are people? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Um, this was according to a leak that uh, apparently is very cross about that may have come from his inner circle, very high up in his inner circle. In fact, it may even have come from his uh, evil alter ego that is perched on his shoulder, whispering, tweet it, Donald, tweet it. And when your shoulder devil is briefing against you, you've got serious problems in an administration. Um, the way I see it, it's like, um, it's not when you have a friend, it's why I see that whether or not to congratulate Putin. It's like when you have a friend who you don't like or trust, but who might one day invade your house unless you keep them sweet and they invite you to their place and say i've got a litter full of new puppies do come round and you turn up and there are the puppies freshly cooked and presented on a dinner plate <laughs> do you say i really like your new puppies or not it's, it's an awkward situation i feel uh, like a real like direct and visceral sympathy for donald trump's advisors but largely from my dealings with you, because <laughs> it's this whole congratulating Putin thing is exactly like you and pun runs. No matter how strongly you're warned by your advisors, brackets me and Helen, to stop, <laughs> you refuse. You are the Donald Trump of pun runs, Andy. I was just in Cambodia, where the Prime Minister, Hun Sen, is uh, the world's longest serving Prime Minister. He first Prime Ministered in 1985, and he's been Prime Minister continually since 1998, um, some questions have been asked about how fairly he has been elected to this role again and again. And there's an election coming up there soon. And he has said, you know, if if I don't win, then of course I'll stand down properly. So what he's done is arrest or exile all of the opposition. Well, that's just good tactics, isn't it? All of this week's news from Russia has just made it even worse that we're on the verge <laughs> of heading over to Russia for a fun football tournament. And uh, Gareth Southgate, the England manager, uh, has uh, come down pretty hard on people who criticise the decision to uh, go to Russia, saying that uh, he's been there, he thought the stadiums were excellent, and uh, as for uh, the sort of racism particularly, he said, well, we've got racism in our own country, in our own football systems that we need to deal with, so uh, maybe we should do that before criticising Russia. And you just think, isn't it possible for us to do both? <laughs> and isn't it that kind of one-track thinking that has held us back as a footballing nation? <laughs> you can't kick the ball and think about where you're kicking it. <laughs> just boot the f***ing... <laughs> I, was, I was so upset when I saw that interview with Southgate because surely I mean the point that he's trying to make is there is still institutional racism in English football which is true and that is definitely something we should address but surely as a symbolic gesture it's not helping that we're packing off for a fun summer holiday with Uncle Vlad and his racist <laughs> f***ing armadas and you know I think that I'm furious with Southgate because he seems like a thoughtful man and it, this feels like absolute bollocks but maybe also part of it is just that I've never forgiven him for missing that penalty in the semi-final of Euro 96. Yeah, yeah, and that. I'm just looking for any excuse at this point. And Helen, I understand you'll be boycotting the Russian World Cup by not watching any of it on telly. That'll show him. Yeah. <laughs> Take that, Vlad. You have been schooled. Uh, John McCain said uh, he uh, criticised Trump as he does uh, basically whenever he wakes up in the morning, whenever he has lunch and when he goes to bed. He said, an American president does not lead the free world by congratulating dictators on winning sham elections. <clears throat> Which is true. But, uh, also, we should remember in the past, American presidents led the free world by getting the CIA to install <laughs> dictators after the wrong people had won non-sham elections. So times, 
Times do change, and maybe maybe it's time to move on. A gentleman's election, Andy. <laughs> Uh, we at the Bugle, we are not going to congratulate Putin on his election victory. We like the underdogs. I was really hoping for a giant killing cup upset, but uh, <laughs> we really come close. And also our Moscow download figures are absolutely f***ing terrible, so we don't have any skin in the game. <laughs> Britain news now, and, uh, well, there's been some uh, news that has sh- sh- shaken this... Well, two bits of news that have shaken this nation to its core. Yeah. Uh, um... I don't recognise the country I arrived back in yesterday. <laughs> no, well, firstly, the new uh, after Brexit, when of course we are going to be the greatest nation in the world again, because we've been held back from being by the European Union. Uh, we're going to get our British passports back. Yes, the blue British passport that we used to just wave at immigration when we were conquering the world. <laughs> so I think you'll find we own this place. Have a look at this. Um, well, it's coming back, but the new non-EU post-Brexit hyper-British British passports will be made, it turns out, in France. <laughs> um, which, I mean, I know it doesn't really mean anything, but at the same time, it feels like it means something. <laughs> I, th- I think it's, uh, it's like a, a passport restaging of uh, the whole of Shakespeare's Henry V play. All of the dramatic monologues. <laughs> It's like the passports have marched over there and taken back some fields in northern France. <laughs> uh, we've had there's been a good range of cultural references today. We've had you know we've had Rihanna, Calvin Harris, s- someone else from pop music, and uh, <laughs> Morrissey, Henry, Henry V. Morris, <laughs> Morris, there was someone even newer than that. Um, it was the way you lent on the second and third syllables of Rihanna's name <laughs> that really suggests you have no f***ing clue who she is. Oh, right, well, Hannah. That, yeah, well, that feeling is entirely mutual. <laughs> um, the, uh, the new passports are predicted to make the holders feel between 13 and 16% more British. Yeah. Um, but that will now drop, given that they're being made in the EU, to only 2 to 3%. So it's losing a lot of British. It's an absolute disaster. Uh, to compensate... Uh, the government has announced that the passports will be battered and deep fried <laughs> to make them f- feel feel British again. And we'll have one of those things like you get a musical Christmas card so that when you open it, it says, Rule Brief f***ing Tanya. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's a real climb down. I mean, Brexit, a lot of Brexit does seem to be trying to summon up a faux nostalgia for Britain's imperial past. But uh, Back in those days, our passports were basically a gun. <laughs> and now we've downgraded to a blue book produced in France. <laughs> it does feel like a really humiliating... I mean, I've actually renewed my passport now right. uh, for the specific aim of uh, not having a stupid f***ing blue passport. <laughs> yeah, so the Maroon I, Rebels! Have... Yeah, exactly, the Maroon Rebels. <laughs> <laughs> It sounds like the third gang in West Side Story who were just trying to get along with everyone. <laughs> Isn't it symbolic anyway to have passports once Britain is restored as the greatest nation on earth? I mean, why would you go anywhere? Well, exactly. Yeah, well, we will all you're stay absolutely right. Resolutely there. at home. Thank God someone has finally talked some f***ing <laughs> sense on this <laughs> liberal Ramoniac shit fest. <laughs> In other uh, Britain uh, news, um, Prince Harry and uh, Meghan Markle, uh, whose uh, wedding is uh, imminent. Do How you, do you imminent know? is it? I don't know. Uh, Maybe they're calling I mean, a snap uh, wedding, like like your snap election suggestion. Yeah. <laughs> snap Tomorrow, wedding, snap why Olympics. not? Wake Prince Philip um, up. 
Anyway, they have shaken this nation to its core uh, yes. by announcing that um, they're having a non-traditional wedding cake. And basically, and this was announced on the news, on the on the BBC, I heard it on the BBC News. That is the news. That, that this this cake, a lemon, they're having a lemon and elderflower cake. It got more news coverage. It got more news coverage than, amongst other things, the war in Yemen. Boo. New stem cell therapy reversing sight loss. Hooray. The continuing Rohingya refugee crisis. Boo. And my forthcoming shows in Australia and New Zealand. All details on the internet starting in Melbourne on the 10th of April. With live bugle shows on the 16th with Alice Fraser and David O'Doherty. And the 23rd with Tom Ballard and Aditi Mittal. Got more coverage than any of those things. If only the stem cells had thought to smear themselves over a cake. But they didn't, yes. and they should market themselves better. I think it's newsworthy to Britain that this couple have decided to reject the traditional British wedding cake, which is a brick of burnt shit with raisins <laughs> in it. And they've decided to have a cake which actually tastes nice, symbolising optimism. How much change can Britain take, Andy? The passports, <laughs> the cakes. What, what next? A re- it's a republic now? <laughs> where this that's what this means um, Andy well, I can't remember what I mean I'm not really in a position to lecture anyone on having a traditional British wedding cake you had a traditional Jewish had. wedding cake Andy of ham yeah what was your wedding cake it was a leg of ham <laughs> um, it was a leg of ham with little uh, miniature figures of uh, me and uh, my uh, now wife um, as made by uh, the great sculptress Helen Zaltzman um, what were the figures made out of? Uh, also ham, ham as well. <laughs> they were not made of ham. What were they? Were they kind of some kind of modern? Fimo, I think. Yeah, Fimo. Fimo. There we go. Oh, look, buff. And um, um, and yeah, you uh, melted in the yeah, other bit. You said the word buff with the exact same level of confidence that you said Rihanna. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was not a tra- not a trad cake. Uh, what was your wedding cake, Helen? I can't remember. Oh, just cakes. You know, just to. Just a lot of cakes. Brick. Eating what cakes. What flavour was it? There, there the, was the le- corpse of British history. <laughs> yeah. God lemon, damn Ramonas. That, f- that foreign fruit, chocolate, that foreign bean, coffee, also a foreign bean. Well, I mean, lemon, how can you have a lemon? You, know, you claim to be a member of the British royal family. A lemon, what kind of European shitress is this, you well, sweaties on prince? Lemons are an immigrant fruit yeah. that made their way... To Europe with no legal documentation during the time of the Roman Empire, bloody Brussels, albeit the Brussels was at that time in Rome. <laughs> um, it was uh, also the lemon was used early in its uh, career as a fruit, as an ornamental plant in early Islamic gardens. What is this? What? Some kind of Sharia law? What is oh. this? Sharia cake we're all being forced to eat. I didn't realise Megan's surname was Al Markala. <laughs> I just didn't want the guests to get scurvy. Oh, yes, that. <laughs> yeah, but they should they should have wanted the guests to get scurvy, Helen. That is a good British disease. <laughs> uh, the lemon was taken to the Americas by Columbus and the Spanish conquistadors, imperialist scum fruit. And I want to know, as you say, what is wrong with a good British cake made of raspberries or plums or worms or mud or pebbles or woad or the concept of national decline? Why lemons? <laughs> I'm, I'm still really enjoying Helen's image of a brick of burned shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm now really enjoying your inevitable participation in the next series of The Great British Bake Off. <laughs> <laughs> Just watching Paul Hollywood have to try and muster some enthusiasm <laughs> as he eats a cake of cooked feces. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I would ace that show. I once made uh, the destruction of the dinosaurs out of brownies. <laughs> really? Yep. Oh my my, my kids had a cake baking competition at school, and they it was something to, they had to do something to do with the environment as in cake form. Yeah. And my my kids made a um, a tectonic fault, <laughs> a cake tectonic fault, out of ham. <laughs> Not out of ham. Not That's what I would do on the Great British Bake Off. Every week, I'd just turn up with a leg of ham saying, there's no point, you cannot possibly beat this. Did, did the cake come out of the oven a bit shit so you pretended that it was actual seismic activity rather than just <laughs> no, a slightly I think it was shit a, cake? It was a deliberate attempt to recreate uh, an earthquake. An earthquake. An, an earthquake. earthquake. You, um, I, you are a constant living affront to your entire cultural heritage. <laughs> <laughs> well, stop quoting my reviews back at me, Nish. Say that before, say it again. Um, anyway, for all the crucial royal wedding build-up news, tune in to The Bugle, the official podcast of the British monarchy. Did we ever actually sign that deal? I'm not sure. For uh, exclusive coverage uh, of the marriage that will surely unite Britain and the USA even more than uh, would the proposed union back in the 1960s of Princess Anne and Elvis Presley. <laughs> Sports news now, and uh, well, Helen, uh, since you uh, you left your rightful spots um, squatting in my attic, um, <laughs> we've uh, we've uh, we've we've missed you a, a huge amount, and uh, particularly because I don't have anyone to talk about sport with at home anymore. Um, well, well, I bought you but... that fruit dehydrator just so that you would have something to talk to about sports. <laughs> how's the um, how's the dehydrated so... fruit, by the way? Uh, it's been okay. We haven't fully mastered it. We did uh, reasonable work on a on a on a. Um, How hard is it uh, to dehydrate a, a fruit for fuck's sake? <laughs> <laughs> um, you are going to lead the sports section now, which um, yeah. is something that I don't suppose you ever expected to 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 have to do in your career. Born to do it, Andy. This week, desperate measures to stop Manchester United home games from being too quiet. Jose Mourinho is really wound up by how quiet Old Trafford is. This problem's been around for years. In 2013, they <laughs> hired an acoustic consultant. A couple of years ago, they added a designated singing section in the stands, like a football match choir. But those haven't worked. It's still a very subdued atmosphere. So now they're talking about printing out chants and handing them to the spectators. and But clean chants. So I don't think that's going right. to work. So, well, it worked for the church, didn't it? Basically, what what hymns are, isn't it? Well, they took yeah. all the swears out of hymns, and suddenly it all took yeah. off. Helen, I mean, I can I can tell from the 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 pain in your voice that you're very concerned about the level of uh, crowd atmosphere at Old Trafford during Man United games. I just so. think maybe that's a hint that football has had its time, and people have realised it's not that exciting. It's just right. a game. The ball's going to end up somewhere or other. Whatevs. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's true of life in general, isn't it? We just breathe and die. Why don't they just have a lie down on the pitch and wait for the end? Um, but Here's my wishes really... for the rest of this year. That Helen gets a job, first of all, on the Great British Bake Off and makes a wedding cake made of burnt shit and then gets a job on Sky Sports' Monday Night Football where all she ever says is, I mean, come on, the ball's going to end up somewhere. It's just a game. Who cares? <laughs> Well, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be. I mean, that much different from the level of most football punditry. And if she managed to pull it off without flobbing into someone's <laughs> car at the same time, it might be a step up. Um, um, but I've been trying to think of some other ways that they can reintroduce noise and atmosphere to Old yeah. Trafford. 
And one thing they could do is stick a mic into the Imperial War Museum next door, crank up the sound of that, whatever that is, little videotapes right. about Spitfires and things, or even into the nearby Salford M&S discount outlet, because then you'd have a lot of people <laughs> screaming about how cheap cardigans are. Right. <laughs> well, it's that kind of lateral thinking that football needs if it's to stay, you know, maintain its place at the uh, head of the sporting food chain. Evolve or die. I mean, I believe the technical term is uh, boner shrinking. <laughs> It has been some real flop-inducing stuff at Old Trafford this season. Nish, what do you do before you start watching a football match? Well, well, (laughs) it depends on the football match, Andy. But I'll tell you what, there are certain points during Fergie's era in the late 90s where I was erect for full years. (laughs) Also... uh... If I may, go on to slightly harrowing uh, territory. Yeah, um, I'm, I think I have to issue a trigger warning for okay. yourself, Andy. Yeah. So England have started uh, a, a two-match test series in New Zealand, and uh, at the beginning of which uh, they reached a score of 27 for 9 before being finally <laughs> bowled out for 58. Now, for non-cricket fans <laughs> amongst you, uh, well, uh, the way to explain that is just by sharing with you some of the newspaper headlines from the British uh, British newspaper. The Guardian's headline was, what the f***? King fuck was that? The <laughs> Telegraph here is holy shit. What in the name of fucking shit happened there, England? The Times, huge pile of shit reported in Auckland. <laughs> Got some of the New Zealand papers here. The New Zealand Scrum just went with, <laughs> and the uh, Auckland Daily Ruck went with all black rugby stars not involved as New Zealand cricketers humiliate England. In terms of quality of performance, if that England batting effort had been a meal in a restaurant, whoever ate it would be dead. Yeah. Uh, and not in a good way, not in a man that was so tasty, I'm happy to peg out. Dead in a horrific, both-ends eruption of allergico-gastroenteritic convulsions. It was it was probably the lowest point in the history of English civilization. It, yeah, I mean, for non, obviously we do have a lot of non-cricket fans that listen to this show. And to give you some sort of context for it, it's the equivalent in a 100-metre sprint of the starting gun going off and one of the sprinters falling over and shitting their pants and then rolling around in the shit and then crying and then vomiting on the shit. (laughs) I can't make it any clearer than that. I mean, even the stats made me cry, and I love a stat. That brings us to the end of this week's Bugle. Uh, thank you for listening. Do send your emails into us at hellobuglers at thebuglepodcast.com. Uh, Next week, I have Alice Fraser uh, on the show. Uh, and don't forget, the live Bugles coming up in Melbourne on the 16th and 23rd of April. And those shows uh, also off the Radiotopia live tour, which I'll be doing a Bugle Illusionist matchup with Helen uh, from the 7th to the 13th <laughs> of May. Um, there will be some live Bugle dates, 15th, 17th and 19th of May in uh, San Francisco, Portland, and Seattle. Keep an eye out for the lineup news on that. Uh, any Anything you guys want to plug? I'm at Giant Dwarf in Sydney on the 5th of June doing a live illusionist with music and stuff. That'll be nice. Tickets are on sale. Uh, uh, I'm doing some gigs. <laughs> sell it, Nish. Sell it. Oh. I've got, I'm, yeah, I'm, uh, in May I'm doing some work-in-progress shows at the Bill Murray uh, to start working up at some new stand-up. Um, and... Uh, They'll be happening on some dates. Go, go to angelcomedy.co.uk if you live in London and you fancy seeing me do some new material. <laughs> roll up, roll up. It's, showbiz f- event it's of the five million. pounds. <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right. Well, I'll be uh, I'll be off writing that those shows. Uh, but uh, yeah, other than that, uh, just uh, have a great uh, life. <laughs>
You're, you're plugging uh, Helen... the concept of having a great life. That's very altruistic <laughs> of you. Well, not, enough, not enough people do it these days. Though sometimes it has to be said. Um, Helen, uh, thank you for joining us all the way from uh, from Singapore. Uh, Nish, it's a pleasure. Uh, enjoy the, re- the rest of your travels. Buglers will be back next week. Until then, goodbye. Bye. Bye. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now.